Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. Whether you are live stream or whether you're live at our campus in Charlotte, I'm so glad that you are here. I'm Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Church. And however you've chosen to engage with us, I'm glad to engage back with you. And as the video said, we're in a series called He Is, a series where we look openly and honestly at what Jesus said about Jesus and we do so out of the conviction that you can never understand who you are until you discover who he is. And uh, today's message, it comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 12. So if you have your Bible with you, maybe your Bible looks like mine. Uh, go, go ahead and locate John, chapter 8, verse 12. Or maybe your Bible's loaded on your phone. Scroll down, open that app and scroll down uh, to John, chapter 8, verse 12. And, and, and if you're, you're like, you didn't, you didn't bring your Bible and, and it's not loaded on your phone and you feel like you might be left out, it's okay. We're going to have the words up on the screen just as we do almost every Sunday that we are together because we want all of you to have your own eyeball encounter with the scripture. And today, today's message uh, is called, I am the light of the world, something Jesus said. And uh, as you may or may not know, there in the biblical library, Bible's not a book, it is a library, there's four different biographies of Jesus, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and we're zeroing in on this series on the Gospel of John because that's where Jesus said all these kind of revolutionary, remarkable, I am sayings. One of them was, was I am the good shepherd. Now, I don't know, maybe it was a pretty good way to find a name for a church. I don't know, just throwing that, throwing that out there. But today... We're going to start things a little bit differently than we normally do. If, if you have John 8, 12 on your Bible, on your phone, or you can see it up on the screen, we're going to read it out loud and together. And I want to invite you out of respect for the scriptures. As you're able, would you rise on your feet as we read the words of John chapter 8 and verse 12 together? And here's what happens. And let's read it together. When Jesus spoke again to the people... He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You may not know this, but at Good Shepherd, we believe the entire biblical library is inspired and eternal and true. And that's why we lift it up, not because we worship it, but because we worship the one who breathed life into it. And before I say another word, would, while you st remain standing, I just got to pray for this talk that I'm fixing to give. Let's pray. So God, thank you that you're good. And, and thank you that in your goodness, you inspired John to record the words of Jesus. And, and you inspired the church to keep all of it for us. Thank you for how good all that is. And Lord, before this message, I am just equally delighted to declare, without you, I am powerless. But because of you, I'm never helpless. Send that help now. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can have a seat. 
So of uh, all of these I am sayings, that, and we're not going to look at all of them in this series because it's a four-week series and there's about 10 I am sayings in the Gospel of John and things like I am the, I am the door and I'm the good shepherd, as I mentioned. Last week, if you were with us and, and if you weren't, we're so glad you're here today. Last week, it was before Abraham was, I am, Jesus thunders out. Of all, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection, the life that's coming on Easter, spoiler alert. And just out of all these I am's, I am the light of the world. It seems the most comforting. Seems the most helpful. Actually, it just seems the best. Because who here doesn't like light? We're, we're glad that we live in an era after and not before the invention of the light bulb, yes? Thank you, Thomas Alva. And some of you have reading lights, and some of you go to sleep with night lights, and some of you get up by dawn's early light, and some of us like to hog spotlights. Some of you like to drive on roads that are well lit, provided the other drivers aren't it, on it or not. Some of you remember, thank you for getting in. Some of you <laughs> of a certain age, certain generation, you remember going to those laser light shows where they played psycho, like Pink Floyd psychedelic rock while the lights were, was all around you. And when you went to that laser light show, you might've been lit yourself. But that's another message for another time. <laughs> Unless it's not. Unless there's another unless. Unless the light of which Jesus speaks when he says, I am the light of the world, is not nearly so comfortable as we think. Unless that light is, like near, is not nearly as gentle as we wish. Unless the light Jesus speaks of when he says, I am the light of the world, functions more like something that happened to me just a little bit ago, a few months ago. I started having all this pain in my foot, on my right foot. And it must have been all those punt, pass, and kick contests that I was in as a kid. And, and, and the pain got so bad that I found my way to an orthopedic doctor who did an x-ray of my foot. You know, all kinds of light shining right into my foot. And they discovered that the, my, my right foot looked something like this up on the screen. And if, in case you don't know, that's bad. You want your big toe to be straight with the rest of your foot. My big toe takes a direct 90 degree left turn. And in that deformity, disease and pain and old Arthur, arthritis has set in. But you see, I wouldn't have known it unless that light had exposed it. So the light in that case didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. It told me what I needed to know. And in and, and, and the same vein, about 20 years ago, I started having some problems with my back and I got a, an MRI for what was going on in my back. And an MRI is kind of like an x-ray on steroids. And, and in, in, that, in that MRI, they discovered that the reason I was having all, all the problems with my back is that I have a degenerated disc. 
which tells you something a lot of you have known for a long time. I am a degenerate, right? And, <laughs> and so anyway, poor, poor, pitiful me. Can I hear an amen? For... <laughs> but my point in all that, my point in all that is not to tell you all about my orthopedic issues or even my neurosurgical spinal ones or even to ask for your sympathy, though I wouldn't turn it down if you were to give it. My, my point in all that is to show you that light, before it is comfortable, it is convicting. That, that light, before it, it guides you, it, it sort of has to halt you. That that light, but before it can give me a solution, it has to penetrate deep into my soul and deep into my body and show me all the ways that I and my, my things are falling apart. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about all too painfully because you too remember, you too know what it was like when that light revealed those tumors or when it displayed those fractures or when it revealed the disease that was going on deep inside. And in every one of those occasions, that light was not comfortable, but it was very effective at first diagnosing you so it could ultimately deliver you. And I have to believe that something like that is going on when Jesus says these words, I am the light of the world, because as we are in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8, you may not know this. If you were here last week and paying attention, you may remember this, but Jesus is surrounded by enemies. He's surrounded by the religious elite of Jerusalem who want nothing more to, than to catch him and ultimately to kill him. And yet, when we get to verse 12 of chapter 8, he takes a break from speaking at his enemies. And he begins addressing his friends and his followers. Because look at what it says in the very first phrase of John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people. And again, that means he, he knows that his enemies are eavesdropping. He's surrounded by the religious elite of that time and in that city. He knows they're eavesdropping, but he needs to lean in to talk to the people who were following him most closely. When he spoke again to the people, and then look at, look at the next two words, because he said, and then the next two words were, were triggering to his enemies and inspiring to his followers because these next two words, I am. And again, I mentioned this last week, and it may be brand new for you either way, but anytime someone in ancient Israel introduced themselves, identified themselves but with these words, I am, it was Jesus's way of pointing back to a conversation that Moses had had with God about a thousand years earlier in which Moses asks the Lord, well, what, do I, what do I tell the people your name is? And God says, I am. And so by having the nerve to introduce himself with these words, I am. Jesus is saying this remarkable revolutionary thing that ultimately is going to get him killed. He said, he, he's saying, the one talking to Moses a thousand years ago, that's me. Me? I, I'm him. 
I'm not a great guy. I'm not neat teacher. I'm not guru. I am that same God who is speaking to Moses in the desert has now appeared before you in the temple. And it's all from saying, I am. Who would know? Who would have thought that a pronoun could be so triggering for people? And cause, thank you for getting it. And cause, yeah, cause such an issue for people. And, and, and look where he goes next after just kind of laying down the gauntlet shot across the bow, whatever the, the, cat, the cliche you want to use. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. When you realize the bravado of that, because way back in Genesis, the very opening words of the Bible, the very opening moments of creation Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the first words that God speaks, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, let there be light. And now you know the bravado Jesus is using. He's saying, hey, let there be me. That's what was going on so long ago that I was there. I was declaring my identity even before there was an earth to declare my identity to. Let there be me. All kinds of bravado, all kinds of revolutionary talk coming out of, out, out of the mouth of Jesus. All kind of reasons for us to realize, yep, we can't know who we are until we understand who he is. And then he goes on. Very next phrase. I, I love this. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You know why he says that? Because darkness, darkness is our default setting. Walking in darkness is our modus operandi. Because of all the powers of the human race, no power is greater than the power of self-deception. Of all powers that people have, none is greater than the power to walk in folly and cause it, call it wisdom, to walk in blunder and call it intelligence, than to walk in darkness and to call it light. That's what Jesus is saying. You all, you all naturally deceive yourselves, delude yourselves into thinking that, smart, that dumb things are smart, that wrong things are right, that dark things are light. And you know this. You've, you've lived this. It's why when you look back, some of you in the rear view mirror of your life, and you see that string of bad decisions... And for a lot of you, you walked in such, and so for some of you, the rearview mirror went to last night. But the string of bad decisions, you didn't learn from your mistakes, you doubled down on them. And decisions having to do with relationships. It's why you dated her. It's why you moved in with him. It's why you married that person, even though you didn't share common values, but you felt like the clock was ticking. Decisions about finances. It's why you treated your money as your own. It's why as you consumed the resource, you ignored the source. 
It's why you invested in that thing that sounded really cool, but was actually really dumb. Decisions about substances. I mean, you knew your family history. You knew your genetics. You knew what happened and you took the first drink anyway and you haven't stopped since. You bought the lie that marijuana is harmless. I mean, it's legal in Colorado, California. And now that you started, you can't stop. And it's draining your bank account. It's, it's why you drove that time on Oxy. And you have the DUI to prove it. Bad decisions, even about faith. It's why when you, you scampered off to college and that philosophy professor, that religion professor, they sounded so smart and they sounded so elite and they made Jesus sound so ridiculous and you bought into it. And now you consider yourself more ex-Christian than Christian and you wonder why you feel so hollow and empty inside. Yeah, over and over and over, you and I prove that darkness is our default setting because we have this unparalleled capacity to walk in it and to call a light. But now, good shepherd, God has brought you here to let you know how it is that light really works. And light works uncomfortably, but very, very effectively and God has brought you here in, in, in so many ways to do what our friends in recovery call a searching and a fearless moral inventory so that you too can discover how Jesus, when he says he's the light of the world, yeah, he diagnoses everything that is wrong. He shines that light that is deeply uncomfortable, but he does so so that he can deliver you into the one in whom everything is right. He, he shines that light into the crevices and into those parts that you, Jesus reveals what you want to conceal. But he does it so that he can display the one that you've overlooked. Because here's what I want you to know. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, here's what he's driving at. Here's his purpose. Here's the takeaway today, good shepherd. Jesus exposes your folly so you will discover his glory. He, he diagnoses so he can deliver. He ex exposes your folly. All those ways, all those ways. You haven't learned from your mistakes. You double down on them. All, all those ways that you've been walking in foolishness and calling it wisdom and walking in darkness and calling it light. He exposes it so that you might discover just how good his glory is. Really? Really, what Jesus wants to do, and I, and I have to believe, I've been praying this all week, what, what Jesus wants to do is, is to bring you to that place where your self-deception stops before it turns into self-destruction. That he wants you to stop believing the lies you tell yourself, that's self-deception, before you start acting on them in the way that blows everything up. And you know, you know the kind of lies that I'm talking about, the kind of self-deception that Jesus wants to stop before it becomes self-destruction? It's those lies like this. Oh, if only my wife were more, then I'd be happy. 
if only my husband were less, then I'd be happy. If only I were dating someone cute or hot or rich, or how about all three? <laughs> then I'd be happy. If it feels natural to me, it must be good for me. One more won't hurt. Everyone's out to get me. Or even on the grander scale, good, good people, heaven's for good people. Good people go to heaven. Or, or God just wants people to be religious. It doesn't matter what religion you're just so long as you are religious. Lies. Every one of them. And Jesus, in his goodness, has brought you within the sound of my voice so that you may stop that self-deception before it becomes self-destruction. He exposes your folly so that you can discover his unmatched, always good glory. And you know how I know what I'm saying is true? <laughs> because half of attorneys don't have wills. And a quarter of preachers don't tithe. Did you catch that? Half of attorneys, 50% don't have wills. One quarter of preachers, 20. Just where well, you're like, well, which one are you, preacher Talbot? Which one are you? <laughs> I'm in the 75% who do and more, just so you know. But, but you're like, how could people who should know better not? You know why? Because we have this unparalleled capacity to deceive ourselves on the way to destroying ourselves. And I just believe that you have gathered in this community today so that you could do your own searching and fearless moral inventory so that you could ask yourself that most painful of questions. How is it? How is it? And where is it that I am walking in darkness and calling it light? Jesus exposes your folly so you'll discover his glory. Parents, moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads, can I have a, just a, a word for you here? Listen, here's, here's what's true. Either, either you will disciple your children or the world will. And when the world disciples your children, the results are not pretty. Either, either you can disciple them or the world will. You can either let Taylor Swift and Lord and Olivia Rodrigo and Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Some of you are like, he knows all those names. <laughs> yes. You can either let them disciple your children or you can let Matthew and Mark and Luke and John do it for you. It's why I'm so glad that our Good Shepherd Christian School, I mean, we've had a, a preschool for more than 20 years and it, it's just really the kind of the envy of the community, waiting lists and all that. And, and I'm so glad that this coming autumn, we are adding kindergarten, full day kindergarten and full day first grade at, this, at, at our Christian school because we, we just believe it. 
Parents need to have that option. We know it's not for everybody, but we know parents need to have that option. And we want to come alongside them in helping Matthew and Mark and Luke and John counteract all that, which the artists I named earlier are, are already poisoning. And it, I just want moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads to realize that diligently, faithfully, consistently, not annoyingly, but consistently, you can be that one extra voice in the life of your child, in the life of your grandchild. Jesus exposes your folly so you'll discover his glory. And look at the last phrase there, the end of verse 12. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but what? But will have the light of life. That's, that's his glory. But, but know this, that having that light of life is not something that comes from within. It's not something you're born with. It's not the birthright of every human being. Oh, I just need to get in touch with my inner. I just need to discover myself. Well, what if you discover yourself and you realize there's not that much there? <laughs> no, it's all from the glory beyond. The light of life is not something you tap into from inside. It's something you receive from the glory beyond. It comes in that moment of surrender to Jesus where you're able to comprehend or begin comprehending him in all of his counterintuitive glory, the, where you begin to look at the world through his lens rather than your lens. And it's a lens where you realize that the first will be last and the last will be first, where the greatest among you will be servant of all, where living comes through dying. I mean, who'd think any of that up on their own, on their own? Nobody. And it's the kind of lens when you are able to look at Jesus on the cross and see him not as the victim of it, but the victor on it. And when you understand that he's not the victim of it, but he's the victor on it, then you also realize that what happened to his body on Easter Sunday is going to happen to yours, to everyone who dies in faith. That's what you realize. Yeah, Jesus has exposed who you are today so that you might glory in who he is. Why? Why would you settle for anything less or anyone else? Let's pray. So Father, thank you that light may not always be comfortable, but it is always effective. And thank you that all morning you've been shining it painfully, but ultimately towards liberation to the gathered community of Good Shepherd Church. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.